Hmm. This cat's driving me nuts. Cat, the cat is uh, <laughs> making girl a boy. Come on. It's a boy. He Himself some, now. Some separation anxiety issues. Yeah. So, yeah, he's going to bitch at me for not you know, okay. being in the same room as him. But That's okay. He can join. Okay. Yeah. He doesn't like bourbon, oddly enough. He always he, he sticks his nose up at it whenever I try to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, cat, try yeah. some of the finer things in life. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of This Is My Bourbon Podcast, uh, where we talk about the spirit of Kentucky. My name is Perry. Thank you so much for being here with me this week. And I have a very special guest with me this week. He is the founder and owner of Smokin' Aces Coffee out of Lexington, Kentucky. Please welcome to the show, Mr. David Barnes. Hello, everyone. Great to be here. <laughs> David, thank you so much for being here, man. Not this a problem. Is a, we uh, haven't done a, like a guest episode in a while. Um, you know, we put out a... Uh, kind of an archive one, yeah. Uh, last month, but you know it's nice to have a have a fresh voice on the Very on the cool. show. Yeah. So I'm excited. For, yeah, so. man. Thank you for hanging out with us. You're welcome. Uh, first pour of the show is going to go to Old Forester. Uh, it's the 1870, the original batch. Yeah, um, this was part of their uh, whiskey row series. Um, I've not actually had this one before. Yeah, um, it's this... a 90 proof. And what's the what's the age on it if uh, if there is any uh, or if you do you know if there's an age on it? <laughs> I don't know if there is. I do know that I believe the story behind this, um, and I'll read you the the snippet on the back. Sure. Uh, this whiskey is distilled by us only, and we are responsible for its richness and fine quality. Its <laughs> elegant flavor is solely due to original fineness developed with care. There is nothing better in the market. George Garvin <laughs> Brown, founder. I love that so. last that last line, the there's nothing better on the market. Right. Because it just sounds so like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it sounds very self-satisfying. Uh, yeah. self-satisfying. Well, if you're trying yeah. to sell a product, you have to convince people that, <laughs> you know, it's the best, you know, or at least that you like it. Um, the nose on this is really interesting. It is, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I get a lot of, like, cherries mm-hmm. with it. Like, yeah, um, especially on the nose. Yeah, and not, and not like, um, like... No, are, are maraschino cherries the um, the artificial cherries? It'd be overly like almost. I wouldn't say artificial. Uh, yeah. but they do. <laughs> they are very uh, synthetic tasting in yeah. nature. Yeah, that's what kind of what I kind of smell on the nose. Yeah. There is some of the the oak kind of hanging around there, um, but like the the candied cherry, I think is what um, I get the most on on yeah. the nose. I believe the story behind this was that. They may have found or they distilled this as closest to uh, the original specifications of Old Forester. Yeah. So as the re-release, obviously, in that Whiskey Row series, this would have been the first iteration um, and kind of what they wanted to uh, highlight as they, you know, yeah. went off on that um, uh, agenda. This, this to me, tastes like a, a chocolate-covered cherry. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it's very good. Um, it still has some of the, like where I was getting a little bit of the oak. The oak is a little bit more forward on the palate there. Um, lots of vanilla. And like, it's just, it's really buttery. And, and you know, I really enjoy this. I, um, it's funny because like people just go bananas over the 1920. 
the prohibition yeah, style. Absolutely. Everybody loves uh-huh. it. Um, and for so long, people were like, nothing else is th- as good on the Whiskey Row series yeah. as the 1920. But this is really, really good. Yeah, I think this is one of the first bottles, um, or at least the first batch, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that a lot of people did kind of gravitate toward, towards the 1920. Um I know that I've had it, but I don't <laughs> think it was significant enough to where it was like, hey, I'm always going to pull from this as a reference point yeah. like when I'm drinking other whiskeys, like some other bourbons that I've drank yeah. are like that. I would get a, I would get a bottle of this. Absolutely. I mean, and, and, and the price point is good. It falls you know? under, does it fall under $40? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't remember because I know that the 1920 is like 56 to yeah. 60 and then I think it might be slightly above what the Old Forester single barrel retails for. Okay, gotcha. So, um, yeah, so we're talking it's like probably at 50, 60 bucks, yeah. you know, somewhere in oh, there. Oh, that's true. Because I think that the single barrel is in the 40 to 50 range. I think so. Kind of defendant, yeah. depending on where you can pick that up. Um, but yeah, definitely great for the money. You know, I, I, I feel like most of the bourbons that are out there that are $50 and under. Uh, those are your bang for your buck bourbons for sure. Know? Yeah. Um, you can kind of do anything with them. There are some, some rock stars in there too. Um, or some sleepers, <laughs> you know, like you've got this other, this Henry McKenna here. Uh, yeah. what's the retail on that? Uh, $30. Yeah. So 10 years you know, old and a hundred proof. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now we were talking, uh, we met for the first time mm-hmm. last week. Um, and we were talking about, um, like in, in terms of like shelf, area mm-hmm. what our favorite uh bourbons were oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and we've I, i've had this conversation on the on the show before um i can't remember exactly who with i'll be able to go back to it at some point um but uh what did you say was your your mid-shelf bourbon that you so I really liked always gravitate towards old forester signature yeah <laughs> um just because the the price point uh the profile it's 100 proof uh, you can drink it neat, uh, and it still, you know, is very satisfying. Sure. Um, but that's my favorite to kind of throw in the decanter and like leave it. And, you know, people that come over are none the wiser. And I'm like, here's this fancy <laughs> bourbon decanter. Well, your secret's this, out now. Yeah, it's out there yeah. for the entire world to know. Don't ever go over to David's house, yeah. I guess. <laughs> and you know, who's, you know whose idea that was, is I have a friend of, uh, of mine who would, who would kind of do the same thing. And it's, it's not in an effort to kind of like pull the wool over anyone's eyes, but I think mm-hmm. that it, it, um, it definitely shines a light on the fact that you can essentially blind taste something and love it. Yeah. But it removes that like preconception that this product isn't going to be good because of essentially just the branding. Yeah. You know, for sure. Uh, see, for me though, like I, the, the Henry McKenna is so hard to beat. Yeah. You know, absolutely. I think that's actually what I said last week mm-hmm. too, was that, um, you know, and again, $30, hundred proof bottled and bond. I mean, it's like a, it's a guaranteed quality mm-hmm. for me. Um, and one of the things, too, like, you know, we always talk about um, single barrels and how single barrel whiskeys, bourbons, whatever, you know, there's going to be some variation from bottle to bottle. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, the flavor palette's going to stay, you know, for, or flavor profile, rather, is right. going to stay about the same. Yeah. Um, and I think that Henry McKenna is one of the more consistent single barrels. Yeah. Um, and I've had some outliers, um, Chad and Sarah of it's bourbon night have had a couple outliers too, where it's not been, um, super great, but you know, I've had, I talk about this on the show all the time. Um, we did a review of my favorite bottle that I've ever had of it back in December. Um, and just gave it flying, a flying score. I don't know what I was trying to, 
Yeah. <laughs> just stay there for that. But, um, but anyway, Rave I just think reviews. that it's... There sure, there we go. Yeah. Um, I just think that it's one of the um, the better mid-shelf yeah. bourbons out there. Um, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit first before we get into learning more about David, mm-hmm. um, about what we've been drinking recently. So David, what you been drinking recently, man? I got a few things. So uh, obviously Old Forester Signature. Mm-hmm. Um, if I do, uh, you know, come home at night and, and do a, a short pour just to kind of, you know, <laughs> nightcap it up, you know, it's Unwind. generally Old Forester Signature. I'm a big fan of the, the uh, three-year Will It Rye. Nice. Um, Which is getting bumped up to a four-year here soon. I know, I know. And that, you know, that obviously for the price point too, you know, you can generally find that, you know, somewhere between $30 and $40, depending on A, if they have it, and B, (laughs) where you're buying it at. Some people gouge a little bit, so it's up there in the $38, $40 range. Um, And then Weller Antique, obviously. Yes. So I'm a, a, you know... (laughs) I like Weller. Uh, oh, I love Weller. Yeah. Um, I had a, a glass of the Special Reserve before I came over here. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> My dad was like, "Hey, let's go get a drink," and I was like, "Let's do it." Yeah. So uh, we went and go, we went. And we both had a glass of Special Reserve. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Special Reserve is actually one of the ones I've been I've been drinking recently. Um, trying to think what else. I just recorded uh, an episode a couple days ago, so I haven't had a whole lot of time to kind of. <laughs> Think about what you're going to do on this. (laughs) Um, One that I've really been loving, I don't know if I've really talked about this on the show before. I don't think I have. Um, J.W. Dant, Mm -hmm. which is a bottle and bond. Mm -hmm. Um, It is one of those... The cat's in the background. Yeah. Um, It's one of those... Crying bloody murder for no reason. As cats do. Yeah. Um, It's one of those bottom-of-the-bottom shelf bourbons. It's like $10. Yeah. But... For the quality, or, or for the for the price, the quality is just unbelievable. I mean, it it reminds me so much of um, the nuttiness of like a Knob Creek because mm-hmm. it it's very. Um, <laughs> this is the second time uh, in two episodes that I've used this phrase, "nut forward." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which could totally be misinterpreted. Yeah, but I said I'm going to own that phrase, even if, you know, even yeah. if I, I get. You some need a shirt, for man. A shirt that nut says forward. "nut forward." <laughs> Drink more bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but it's a real good daily drinker. Um, again, at a hundred proof, it's four years old. You know, I, it's a another guaranteed quality. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think I've ever really had a bottle and bond product where I've been like, no, look at old granddad. Not for me. Oh yeah, dude. Bottom shelf. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. The one fourteen is legit. I brought uh, I brought my the old granddad. Bond is legit. Yeah. Uh, you know what's funny is that there's this. Um, this whole artisan uh, movement, and we can't act like we own that. But here in Lexington, you know, that's starting to become a little bit more apparent, especially in the craft cocktail world. Yeah, and, you for know, sure. I've got friends that that make drinks all over town, and I go into these places and order. Uh, a lot of times, I tend to judge um, a craft cocktail bar on their old fashioned. Yeah, uh, and then talked about that before from there. The like I kind of move forward and say, okay, what, what are you guys do? doing? That's you know kind of unique to your process and so on and so forth. But uh, the Chris Evans down at uh, Bourbon on Rye, uh, his go to is is uh, Heaven Hill White Label and, the and, and bond? Old Granddad One Fourteen yeah. and the Bottled and Bond, and yeah. he just does. This really speaks to uh, his ability as a mixologist and a bartender. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just makes some phenomenal cocktails with those whiskeys. And I would be surprised if you were to step into, let's say, an upscale cocktail bar where they're using <laughs> single barrels and really special release stuff or right. something that you and I couldn't get that's readily available on the shelf. And these cocktails are crushing 
what they have for sure yeah so it's uh it's really unique and and i love the fact that um you know cocktails are a little less expensive when you go to these places right because they're not you know charging 30 dollars i would love to go into it um just to see the look on some people's faces and order an old-fashioned with like you know an old forester birthday bourbon or like a van winkle 23 Mm -hmm. year and see what they (laughs) just to see people's like and i'm sure that it would be an excellent cocktail yeah i'm sure it would be fantastic but I mean, I would just get a little bit of a rye. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned bourbon on rye. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some other uh, cocktail places in Lexington that you really like? Big fan of everything the guys down at West Main do. Yeah. Um, they are very – so what's unique about Main Street in general um, is you have 21C on the corner there, a door or two down West Main, mm-hmm. um, and then a couple doors down from that you have the Seltzer Club, which is kind of the – uh, let's call it a subsidiary, right? So it's 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 a shared building. They share um, one row building or whatnot, but there's two fronts. So when you, you can either go into the door on the left or you can go into the door on the right. And so door on the left is a seltzer club. Um, I've told them this before, and I think that this is kind of, they just don't really, they I don't know that that is going to be around uh, forever. Sure. But they opened that half of the location Um so that they could kind of get some revenue flowing in. But it reminds me of a really shitty 80s bar. <laughs> like, it's, uh, if you went into, uh, it's like Cheers, but nowhere near as cool. Uh, so you go in and you're like, all right, well, what is this? But it's it's a place you can go Didn't with, like, you know, dirt on your boots and, like, they don't care sure, if you man. come in there and order yeah. a cocktail. Now, the other half of that building is, uh, it is called Bourbon on Rye, and that used to be the old Bellini's location. Yeah. So that space had a lot of uh let's say old world or victorian character (laughs) and they've done a lot to preserve and restore that so when you go in there you it just makes you feel a certain way you know yeah and it's not new and engineered and overdone uh west main is more refined you know you go into that space and everything is is um everything has uh its own intention um, everything is, is drawn out and placed a certain way, yeah. whiskey's stored a certain way. And, you know, you go in there, you're going to pay $15, $16 for a cocktail, but it might be the best damn cocktail you've ever had. And that's the thing too, is like, you know, I'm, I would be more than willing to pay a little bit extra if it's going to be, you know, a superior quality Absolutely. product. Same with, um, you know, like a bottle of, bur- uh, bottle of bourbon. Yeah. I mean, it, it, but then we get into the, you know, secondary market argument and everything, yeah. <laughs> but that's not, yeah. This isn't the episode for that. <laughs> and then the other uh, spot that I always recommend, and then, you know, this this spot, uh, Middle Fork Kitchen and Bar. Yeah. Oh, is, I love uh, Middle Fork. I love them for everything that they do with food. Yes. But you rarely get to step into a location who has the food nailed down like they do, mm-hmm. and they also have a solid bar. Yeah. You know, it's always one or the other, or the bar opts to do draft beers sure. and, like, shitty uh, cocktails where they don't measure yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, they, they have a great location and great, um, um, you know, repertoire right. there as well. That's how I feel about OBC. Yeah. And like OBC, in terms yeah. of like the, the food quality mm-hmm. to bar quality mm-hmm. ratio. <laughs> Oddly enough, the, uh, the guys at West Main, I believe a number of them, um, actually worked at OBC and they left so to, they knew what they were doing. Start West Main. Yeah, yeah. Good. and um, you know they Good had a couple, them. a couple uh, guys that were uh, wanted to back them, and they wanted to open that type of a business, and so it was a really unique opportunity for them because they got to leave, and they're like, okay, well, this these guys are 
given us a sandbox, <laughs> you know, so we're going to go in here and kind of blow the lid off Why this not? thing and, and do everything to the nines and, you know, you, you get that when you walk in. So. Yeah, cool. So let's talk a little bit um, first about your journey with bourbon. Yeah, um, How you kind of got into it. And then um, talk to you about uh, Smoking Aces, because Smoking Aces is going to kind of lead into our conversation on um, our, our, our topic for the episode, which is going to be um, how our bourbon palate is influenced by um, outside sources. Right. Um, so I'm going to let you take the floor for, you know. Yeah. So, uh, my wife, uh, had a, you know, was in a, she was in uh, a student at U of L. Uh, she interned at Brown Foreman, uh, for, I believe it was a, a year and a half or so, maybe two years. And during her time there, she would just bring stuff home with her. And at that point, you know, I was in, uh, my mid twenties or so mid to mid to mid late twenties. And, uh, but, you know, to be fair, I really hadn't, I never liked hard alcohol or spirits <laughs> just in general. Right. You know, I was always a, give me A, B or C beer. Generally it was a domestic, you know, I was, I was, uh, much less than cultured, you know, for, <laughs> for lack of a better uh, way to explain that. And so she would bring this stuff home and, you know, she wasn't a fan of, of whiskey or bourbon either, but the place that she was working, Brown Foreman was giving her this stuff for free. So she would bring it home. And we had this uh, small bourbon cabinet, um, and we would just kind of put it in there. And, you know, at some point, she kind of realized and was like, oh, well, if I'm going to work for this company, you know, around about the time that they made her a full-time offer, she was like, maybe I should at least try to start <laughs> liking the products that they're making. Yeah. Um, so I kind of started on that journey with her, and uh, we would taste through uh, all the stuff that she would bring home. Um, I remember, I believe it was the 2000... 10 old forester birthday bourbon was the first one that I had. And then, you know, subsequent years, every year she'd bring home a couple nice. of bottles. Um, so what was nice about that is, is early on, I was kind of exposed to some of those, um, premium products. Yeah. And it wasn't like, I, I didn't get turned off initially by drinking something that let's say it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not good. It's just not approachable for someone sure. that doesn't know how to approach bourbon. That's such an know? interesting take on on learning how to drink bourbon because usually people start with Jim Beam. Yeah. People absolutely. start with number one know, selling bourbon. With Evan Williams, you know, what whatever. And they work their way up through Blanton's or the Old Forester birthday bourbon or or whatever. But you, I mean, you started just about at the tippy top of Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Woodford, uh, you know, uh to be fair, everyone that I talk to about bourbon generally asks me, um, you know, a, what's approachable, or B, what bourbon I tasted that like made me appreciate bourbon. And for me, that was Woodford Double Oaked. Yeah, and we I talked think, about that too. That's, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I think that that product in and of itself is so, um, it's almost like a concentrate, mm -hmm. you know, in a sense, um, you know, because of that process. So what that did for me is that kind of let the, the wood and the aging process and all of those other nuances speak to me before the alcohol itself. Did, yeah. You know, for sure. So, uh, you know, as far as being able to pick flavors out in anything, you only know what you've had, you know, in, in your exactly. experience. Yeah. So for that, you know, Woodford Double Oak definitely primed my palate to be able to journey into other, um, other bourbons. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that, 
two is like such a great way to do it because you are kind of you're kind of being hit with so many <laughs> so many great things um on on the double oaked that you know it it almost becomes not necessarily a letdown when you try anything else yeah but you know and i'm i, I think less of a punch for sure yes yeah yeah <laughs> uh-huh. But I can see where some other bourbons would fall kind of short based on, um, you know, their flavor profiles compared to the mm-hmm. the double oak because the double oak is so robust. It is. <laughs> the thing about it is it's it's just a typical, you know, and and so what we're drinking right now, the old Forster eighteen seventy is also. Well, I've moved on also to a, the Henry McKenna, but oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to speed up. So, uh, but it's they're all very typical brown foreman flavor profiles. Yeah. You know, what's nice about the double oak is just that it's just, it's double mm-hmm. everything. So if you could imagine that. Literally. Um, <laughs> and especially with the oak and the sweetness. So generally, uh, when you have someone that's never uh, had anything other than Jim Beam or Heaven Hill or Evan <laughs> Williams or something like that, which, you know, by the way, those all have those preconceptions that, you know, it's you're not you're not drinking those products for for flavor and appreciation. You have a totally different yeah, reason. To yeah, like, you know, same um, same reason for drinking like Natty Light. Right. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know entirely about that. Yeah. There are so many people. Yeah. I, I'm going to retract that statement because there are so many people who swear by Jim Beam and, uh-huh. and Evan yeah. Williams and everything, and they're both you know very quality mm-hmm. bourbons. Yeah. Um, we do the same thing in coffee or with coffee yeah. um, or in the coffee industry uh, generally. Uh, some companies that you know let's um starbucks for example and i guess i can say this but their whole thing is is (laughs) (laughs) creating creating a product that will satisfy the overwhelming majority of people who drink coffee right so in order to do that you have to do you have to create something that is like coffee or like what everything thinks coffee is like yeah um and then obviously make it inexpensive um um, affordable people have to have access to it. It's got to be convenient. Um, so some of your, your lower shelf bourbons, that's exactly what they're doing as well. Yeah, you know, for sure. So, uh, you touched on it a little bit, uh, but let people know some, you can go ahead and finish your glass if you want, since I, <laughs> you know, you've been doing a lot of, you've been doing a lot of talking. Um, I do want you to talk some about smoking aces. Yeah, um, absolutely. Or smoking aces. There is yeah. the apostrophe in there. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, misrepresent the. It's an action <laughs> statement, right? So it's like there's some oomph behind it. Um, smoking aces. So I, I am the roast master and founder for uh, smoking aces, and and we are a micro coffee roastery located here in Lexington, Kentucky, and essentially. I got into coffee after I had, you know, let's, uh, we call it the aha cup in the industry. So it's, it's like, you know, I'm drinking coffee and it's, it's very, like I have this, um, there's a reason that I'm drinking coffee and it's so that I can study more, right. Or that I can wake up in the morning or, um, you know, coffee for me, especially now is very ritualistic in the morning and it is for a lot of people, you know, it's kind of sets the tone for the rest of your day. And, uh, I had an amazing cup of coffee once and I kind of thought, well, how can I always have access to this? You know, because at that point, um, having access to that coffee was, it was impossible on a daily basis. Yeah. Right. Especially because, you know, you, you, uh, get back to brewing methods at home and, and where did you buy the coffee from and when was it roasted? And so (laughs) there are those variables that, uh, we focus on that before I had zero control over. Sure. Just kind of had to, you know, take advantage of the opportunity when I had one. Yeah. Um, 
with smoking aces is, is pretty interesting because uh, I had a pretty well developed bourbon and I'll say food palette as well uh, before I started roasting coffee on a commercial level. So essentially what I did was I pulled on that experience like I talked about earlier. And so when I approached coffee, I was like, well, how do people approach tasting bourbon? How do people approach the manufacturing process yeah. of bourbon? How do, how do we approach selecting the grain? And so there's a, a ton of parallels that can be um, drawn between coffee and uh, let's just say spirits because they all kind of share that similar yeah. uh, process, especially, um, you know, distilled spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, we, uh, we roast coffee and we select coffees that we think have subtle nuances that can be appreciated. So each one of the products that we offer are very, very similar to what someone would look for if they were looking for a single barrel bourbon, right? That's so cool. So they're looking yeah. for something that is relatively close to what their reference point of a mm-hmm. um of a bourbon is but they want a little something something extra in it too, right <laughs> so uh, we try to look for that so we'll find an ethiopian coffee and it'll speak very true to what people know of and expect from an ethiopian coffee but we look for interesting subtle nuances mm-hmm. as far as flavors go mm-hmm. um and a lot of that has to do with the inherent properties of the green coffee when we buy it. Uh, and then our roasting process is adjusted um, to elicit those flavors or bring those flavors more forward. It's so cool to hear um, not just like the passion for, you know, for anything. You know, I, I'm always interested in hearing people's stories if they are really passionate about what they do. Mm-hmm. And a, it's cool to hear the passion. B, it's cool to hear the parallels between um, what you do and what, say, a master distiller Absolutely. would do. Um, because you are you are really trying to craft th- the ideal or perfect product. Right. You uh-huh. know? And um, so good on you for, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, for putting um, that time into it. And, and it's funny that you, you bring up the term master distiller because even in the bourbon industry... Um, essentially within the industry people understand what that term means and they know what you know that person does day to day at the distillery yeah um and they're not all created equally you know (laughs) obviously some people say oh i really like everything that this distiller does and i really like everything that this distiller does and it's the same thing with coffee you know uh there are other roasters out there that uh people follow because they really appreciate everything that they create um and so generally speaking, the master distiller is uh, assumed to be the person that is in complete control of the, pl- the flavor profile of whatever product, um, so on and so forth. And then, you know, they throw it in the barrel and the barrel does its thing and then here you go. And it should be relatively close. And if it's not, well, we'll batch it all together and we'll make it close. Sure. Um, but so, yeah, I would be, let's say, the equivalent of a master distiller but for coffee. But I don't <laughs> distill stuff. I just, sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, that That is, you said um, roast master, is that what you, mm-hmm, you call yourself? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that I like that title yeah. too. I think that's pretty yeah. There's actually, pretty there's, so there's two in the industry. There's roast master um, and then master roaster. Okay, what's the difference? Yeah, so the difference between (laughs) the two uh, is that a roast master is someone who is uh, totally in charge of the the roasting process and maintaining the flavor profiles and roast profiles of the coffees that they offer or the blends that they make. 
a master roaster is someone who teaches roast masters. Oh, okay. So if you okay. wanted to be a roast master, you were like, okay, well, I want to learn more about this, this, or this, then you would go to a master roaster. Gotcha. And typically, a master roaster wouldn't also be a roast master. Interesting. So it'd be like academia, right? Sorry. And coffee is uh, super interesting. And, um, you know, the one thing that um, is a little different for us as opposed to um, bourbon is that when you put a flavor profile together for uh, a product and, you know, you say, we're going to offer this indefinitely or until we don't want to sell it anymore. Uh, coffee is very volatile in nature. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one crop year, uh, might not be as good as the next crop year mm -hmm. and one might be immensely better than the one before. So as, uh, you know, part of my job, as well as the, um, the, uh, my cohort, let's call him, um, uh, my QC guy, Corey Critchfield, um, he is, um, um, basically imperative to the operation and the fact that if it was only me tasting my coffee all the time, then it's really easy to kind of blow smoke up my own ass. Sure. Yeah. But you got to have a second someone to taste your product and say, Hey, this is what it's supposed to be. Or this right. is, this is on point or no, it's off a little bit. And then he kind of feeds me back information and says, this one ended up a little smoky. Uh, just, you know, and, and his palate is amazing too, especially for coffee. Um, and oddly enough, he uh, was a um, uh, mixologist as well. So, well, cool. Uh, let's get into the topic then a little bit about um, about our palate with bourbon. Yeah. Um, and this is actually a conversation that I've wanted to have on the show for a while, and I'll probably revisit it again with um, uh, the other people that uh, I do the show with. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm always really interested, and I've been thinking about it a lot recently too. What is it that really influences how I perceive bourbon? Um, and sometimes it's a bad day. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> you know, if I burn my tongue on something that day, I'm not going to taste something that is, as well. Um, if I've only been drinking water and I, have, like, I haven't had coffee, I haven't had, you know, like a soda or anything throughout the day, um, you know, my palate's going to be maybe a little bit fresher or, or something. Or if I've just eating like, um, like a pumpkin pie or something or like cheeseburger, you know, that's going to affect the way that I, um, perceive the bourbon, but also right. like beyond that, um, the things that kind of help us to develop a palate so that when we go to drink bourbon, um, you know, we can kind of look back at what we've gone through and go, okay, that is what's helped me get right. to where I am now. Yeah. Um, and I want to, this would be cool because I think we can kind of draw parallels between bourbon and coffee. Absolutely. Um, which is, you know, it, I know bourbon, you know coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, let, I'll let you go ahead and talk about, like, what what do you kind of lean towards when, as, as far as – that's how we'll get the conversation going is how do yeah. you – what do you kind of lean towards in terms of, like, um, what you like on bourbon and, and, sure, why the heck not coffee too. Yeah. So um, – <laughs> One of the things is that, you know, especially when you're trying to talk to someone about coffee and they don't have a, um, and I'm not really sure how to, how to, to the, the term to use, but they don't have a diverse palate, mm -hmm. right? So the, a good analogy would be someone that, uh, grew up, uh, in their, their culinary experience. Cause that's, that's where it all starts, right? I mean, the, yeah. the way we taste food is, or anything is it was firstly through food yeah. because that's the first thing that, you know, we have to eat food to survive. 
And unfortunately, uh, a lot of people have uh, uh, very simple palates because they eat a very simple diet. And so um, culinary experiences, I think, are huge. Um, if you uh, if you only ever eat steak and potatoes, how could you ever <laughs> how could you ever expect to perceive anything other than those flavors in anything that you experience in the future? And like with as far as like bourbon goes with that, I don't expect somebody to be able to taste anything other than like maybe the oak and then like alcohol. Yeah, and so the oak is interesting because that, you know, you know how closely related smell and taste are. Yeah. People may know what wood chips smell like. Mm -hmm. So when they drink bourbon, that's their reference point. It's like, oh, well, it tastes <laughs> like what wood chips smell like. Yeah. You know, I've been to a ton of bourbon tastings, and uh, every now and then you get this one really strange tasting note. Yep. Um, especially if you just kind of go around the room and say, you know, what do you taste and what do you taste? Yep. Um, we just uh, had one the other day where I was like, I get a little bit of bubble gum mm -hmm, on, mm -hmm. on this. Yep. Which, again, is very bizarre, but you know, it was definitely very prominent on, yeah. on the palate. And I think that that's a, what I would deduct that to uh, is a sweet, fruity flavor. Yes. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it also had, um, it had that artificial sweetness mm, okay. that like Hubba Bubble yeah. has. Uh -huh. Um, so I don't know if it's like the sorghum or is that how you say it? Sargum? Yeah, sorghum. Sargum? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, or what specifically, but you know, it was just like, oh yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, sorry. So yeah, you. no, uh, culinary experience I think is, is, is absolutely huge. And then going from that, you know, um, obviously food's more important than, Hey, what did you drink? Mm -hmm. You know, um, if someone grew up drinking Coke all their life and the first experience they had with bourbon was a Woodford and Coke or a Jack and Coke or that would be American whiskey. But you know what I mean? Like if that's <laughs> the first thing that they had whiskey in, then uh, obviously they taste Coke and they can maybe perceive some other flavors based off of other experience they had with food. Um, for me, I got into uh, Indian food and Thai food and Chinese For food sure, yeah. and Mediterranean cuisine. And I mean, you name it, like if it's food, I'll, I at least want to try it. Uh, <laughs> and those, uh, those cuisines typically use a lot of spices. Mm -hmm. um, so therefore, when someone says, I taste cardamom in this, I know what cardamom tastes like. I can kind of pull back on that experience because I've eaten it or right. consumed it before. Whereas yeah. some people would say, what the hell is cardamom? Is that even a thing? <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think culinary uh, experience is, is that would be my number one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to note too that um, our palates are constantly evolving. Mm -hmm. Even oh. as like, you know, we're able to sit here and we're drinking the Henry McKenna and well, let me take a sip so I can... So it's fresh on the tongue. Give you a real-time reaction. Yeah. Um, but I I find, like, you know, that, that oak is present. Um, the caramel is pretty forward, as well as some, like, earthy notes. Mm -hmm. There's something um, almost, like, grassy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> about it. Um, but six months ago, a year ago... I probably wouldn't have been able to tell you half of those things. Right. Um, and it's, it's all just part of the journey to not only um, become a better drinker, um, which I know sounds ridiculous in a no, way, no, but, no, no, yeah. but to that, and, and that to me means 
to better understand what you're drinking and to enjoy it more. Absolutely. You know, um, no. And, and I'm, I'm always willing to learn new things. I'm always uh, interested in finding new things out. And like, I definitely want to like learn to drink coffee better. Mm -hmm. You know, I I love coffee, you know, it's a part of, like you said, it's part of my daily ritual. Right. You know, I get up and we, we have uh, Javalia as like our, Uh (laughs) our house coffee. I have some choice opinions about that. Do you really? (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll we'll talk about them off there. I'm I'm curious to know what, uh, where that falls on the spectrum. Um, but like, you know, it, it gets me going and, and everything, but I don't normally take the time to really consider it mm-hmm. like I do with bourbon. Yeah. Um, so you're in that demographic where if you had to, um, the analogy would be someone that's drinking bourbon only mm-hmm. for the effects that the alcohol is going to provide. And in your case, you're only drinking the coffee because it's relatively, let's say, tolerable and it also has caffeine in it. Well, see, here's... <laughs> I like you threw it. I caught that. I caught that. You threw that in. I caught yeah, that. I did. Um, here's here's my thing about it is that like I do. I do know what bad coffee is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. like I'm aware of what bad coffee is, just as like a, I'm aware of what bad bourbon is. It's, it's totally taste. Taste in all of its entirety is subjective. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But no, 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 no. It's okay. But like. I, I do drink Javalia over other things because I know I like it the best out of, you know, whatever I've had so far. Mm-hmm. Same with bourbon. is like, you know, you move on from, say, your Jim Beams or you move on from um, your Evan Williams to go on and experience something more. Like, we're going to be reviewing um, E.H. Taylor Small Batch. You go to a first-time bourbon drinker, it would be amazing to me if they even knew what that was. Right. You know, just like I'm sure you, you know, off air, you're going to go try this instead of Javalia. Right. You know, to elevate my, <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, to be fair, that's our goal. Yeah. Of you course. Know, if, if, yeah. We, if we, we don't really have a, um, you know, a mission statement per se. Um, but we do think that what we're doing and what we're trying to do is to essentially just elevate the coffee culture of Lexington firstly. Yeah. And then hopefully that will proliferate out to, um, you know, cities close by and then on, obviously on a national level and then hopefully someday internationally. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, um, what you were talking about, the Javelia and what we do, um, or bourbons, uh, differing from one to the other. Some people are going to appreciate one, versus another. That's always going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, not everyone's palate is the same. Not everyone's experiences are the same. Yep. And, you know, to be fair, every bourbon kind of reacts differently on everyone's palate. So yeah. it's, it's oh, hard yeah, to say, course. you know. My wife, um, Lucy, who has been on the show before, um, she's not a big bourbon drinker. Um, and when she drinks it, she just gets like mostly ethanol. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but in, in, you know, she's, I don't want to say getting better about it but she does understand it more and is starting to um you know be able to identify things here and there and like you know actually have like a conversation about it Mm -hmm. um and i think that's like really the most important thing about knowing your palate is that you want to be able to say i taste x y and z on it um and if you like x and y but you don't like z 
you know, be able to identify why you don't like them. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, in the future, you know, it, it, it would be astronomically, like, impossible for you to, to not experience one of those three things again in your next coffee or your next bourbon. Right. You know, I mean, it's going to show up back eventually. But, you know, the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, at, because you went through that first experience, you then in the future are going to be able to say, oh, it's that. I remember it from this. And, you know, I don't like it. Here's why. You know, right. and, and the, it, it just seems to me that, you know, I, I know I'm rambling, but, you know, it makes for better. Absolutely. <laughs> better one, experiences uh, overall. The one thing that we do in coffee, uh, that would, let's say differentiate us. And this, this isn't by any means, um, definite or any, or, you know, uh, restricting or anything like that. But the coffees that we tend to select are more, uh, sweet and savory versus being bitter or bold. Okay. You know, people use bold a lot. Sorry. I got um, a, I got a whiff of the alcohol on the, <laughs> on the nose of Henry McKenna and it like made my eyes yeah. water. Is it a hundred proof? Yeah. It's a hundred yeah. proof, which is not like that never no, happens with but me. I, but I will say that it is, it is a, a fairly hot 100 proof. It is. And for me, yeah. like what, when you were uh, talking about earlier, um, that you were, um, what was it that you were saying that you were getting on that? Um, the earthiness. Yeah. The, the earthiness. Grass. So for yeah. me, that's, I get a lot of, oh, so if I, Compare this to Old Forester Signature, which is also 100 proof. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the age on that. I want to say it's somewhere between four and eight years. It's, mm-hmm. it's obviously a batched product. But uh, this is more spicy compared Definitely. to that. Uh, and then it kind of tends to linger a little bit, as in, mm-hmm. um, you know, so cayenne pepper was one that I got kind of sure. on the back end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely see that. Yeah. And um, so to, to um, uh, extend on that a little bit, um, the coffees that we select tend to be a little bit more, you know, sweet and savory and more, um, they have more available perceivable flavors for people. Uh, with that being said, if you haven't ever had a coffee like that and the only reference point that you have is a bold and bitter coffee, then you might say, (laughs) what the heck is this? And like, you know, and a lot of people are going to react positively to that. Um, and, but some are going to react negatively. And the reason is because they, you know, people either are one of two things. They're front palate dominant or back palate dominant. And so coffee gives us a, uh, a the, kind of the ability to see that. Yeah. So people that are back palate dominant tend to prefer bold and bitter um, uh, coffees because that's the portion of their tongue that's dominant. Interesting. So, right. So they're, they're going to bypass all that sweet stuff and they're going to perceive the, the more bitter and, and, right. um, and you know, those types of, uh, of, of notes on the tongue, but someone that's front palate dominant would perceive sweet, uh, flavors and savory flavors and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah. See, you're already teaching me. Yeah. So. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's the same thing with bourbon. Yeah. You know? No, for uh, sure. And like, I, I did have to work and I know that there are countless other people listening or otherwise who are like, yeah, I had to take the time to really develop a Mm well-rounded palette. Um, so I know what I'm going to say. I just want to throw this at you real quick. If you had one bit of advice to help people develop their palates, what would it be? Just try more foods that you're not. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Experience. And, uh, (laughs) cook more at home. You know, uh, although I don't subscribe to them anymore, uh, I used to, there's just a lot of other variables that make these services kind of, 
um, not as valuable as what you might expect. You don't have to name them. Yeah, I think some of these, like, yeah, yeah, some yeah. of the some of the services that will send you these pre-prepared meal boxes and that kind of thing. Um, but they are very helpful if you don't do that kind of thing on your own at home. <laughs> and they do a really great job of uh, creating some unique dishes that you may not cook for yourself that involve other things besides just salt and pepper and like whatever vegetables or meat you want to Sure, yeah. Um, and those are great. So, uh, you know, you can play around with some different spices. Um, get into Indian food is, is, is really good because there's a ton of spices in there. It's so complex. Tons of flavors. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of that, sometimes when you start eating that, you can't really explain what you're tasting, uh, <laughs> but you just know that it tastes good. Right. You know? Yeah. But having that, you know, so your palate is set and it's trained essentially, right, to perceive those specific flavors. Right. Then when you drink bourbon, you can say, oh, this reminds me of that uh, masala that I had yep. two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and then to speak a little bit more to that, you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, trying something and then your palate is, is, is trained. You have to keep it trained. Oh, definitely. Yeah, people like... Yep. If I didn't drink coffee for a month, I would probably be terrible at my job. Like all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, minus all the other variables. But um, it's very important for us to continually taste our coffee so that we know, um, you know, A, that we're uh, creating a product that is close to what it was last time or exactly the same. Sure. And the same thing goes with bourbon, too. Um, people that taste bourbon for a living, they're constantly tasting it all the time. Yep. And if they don't, it's very easy to kind of uh, become um, untethered from, yep. um, you know, their, they lose their bearings in a sense. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think my one piece of advice, yeah, is definitely just experience more. But, you know, I am going to bring it back to bourbon and just, you know, I, I have to adopt the phrase from Fred Minnick, drink curious. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. I mean, try try new things, try new bourbons, you know, um, your bottle of Woodford, you know, it's going to be significantly different from a bottle of Buffalo Trace, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I mean, that is, if you pigeonhole yourself, you're never going to, and that's what we're getting at, if you pigeonhole yourself, you're never going to be able to, you know, expand and become a better, more well-rounded bourbon drinker. Right. Um so I, we've solved it. <laughs> we can we can shelve that yeah. one. You do um, get your people though that are like really hard headed and stubborn. And they're like, I love Woodford. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't mean to like throw an accent on there and like, <laughs> like <laughs> but you know, or I like Jack and Coke. Yeah, and they won't try anything else. Yeah. Um, but you know, kudos to them. I don't get be, really bored. I'll be honest know? with you though. I don't think a whole lot of those people are listening to this show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> anyway, so are you finished with your glass of Henry McKenna? Almost. I can finish. That's it okay. You can take though. your time if you need to with it. I know that uh, we've been talking a lot. Um, well, he's finished with it now, so we are going to then move on to um, our review for the episode, which is going to be uh, Colonel E. H. Taylor Small Batch, and yeah, that was all right. Oh yeah. <laughs> I like that sound. Um, I'm going to let you pour yours first if you Thank you, sir. Like. Um, this uh, bourbon, of course, is a storied past, um, originating from the old Taylor Distillery. I think at one point it was owned by Jim Beam, and then... Uh, I believe it was. And then found its home at uh, 
Buffalo Trace. I almost said Maker's Mark. Right. I don't know yeah. why I almost said Maker's Mark. Maybe easy to... Well, I don't know. No, it's they're, really not. They're very different from one another. <laughs> but both large brands. Yeah. You know. I poured too much. Yeah. I'm going to That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I believe that... Uh, I don't know that Jim Beam ever owned the brand. I do know that they previously... They were storing barrels on the site of the... Uh, former Old Taylor Distillery. That could, yeah. I think that the last, um, let's say, conglomerate, right, or brand, bourbon brand to own that property was uh, National Distillers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So, uh, and they would have consisted of um, a number of the olds, or what they refer to as the olds. (laughs) So, Old Grandad, Old Crow, Old Taylor. um, I think uh, Old Overholt was in that. Okay. And then... Maybe others, but I do know those four for sure. Cool. Yeah. So before we jump into um, the actual like conversation over the review of this, um, I wanted to refresh our listeners or let new listeners know what um, our review system is. Uh, it is a four-tiered review. Uh, it is nose palette, nose palette finish and price. Um, each category is out of five. Uh, of course, one being the worst, five being the best. Uh, at the end of it, we tally everything up to a total out of 20. Um, so there you go. <laughs> yes. I always, I always say that like I have something else to say and that's, um, <laughs> you're like, oh, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> if, haven't figured it out by now. Yeah. Um, I also want to say, um, you know, I said earlier too, how important, um, bottled and bond products are to me. Absolutely. And you, like, um, you know, the guarantee, guarantee of quality, um, E.H. Taylor is another one of those, even just the small batch or the single barrel. Um, but the unique thing about this product specifically is although, uh, you know, E.H. Uh, e. Taylor isn't distilling it himself, there is a, um, a, a you know, E.H. Taylor and the Bottled and Bond Act are synonymous. Sure. So it's, it's kind of cool to, uh, even still today, uh, he... Ha, or there is a product on the shelf that kind of pays homage Absolutely. Um, to him, even if it's only in branding and story. Yeah. You know, um, I am not sure if the recipe for that product is the same, the same. as yeah. what he would have used or yeah. was used in the past. Um, but, you know, aside from that, I think it's, it's, it's really great that um, even though the product isn't made on, on that site and so on and so forth that, you know, um, that um, Buffalo Trace is still kind of paying homage yeah, to him absolutely. in that regard. Absolutely. So. so the nose, what do you think about what do you think about the nose? This is like almost like a. Um, this is kind of funny, but a uh, caramel covered green apple. Yeah. Completely. It's kind of like right there at the forefront, and obviously the oak, <laughs> but it's hard to. It's sometimes it's hard to look past the oak. Yeah. You know. And what's the what's the age on this? You know, I don't. It doesn't say on the bottle, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, small batch of these selected barrels are routinely evaluated. Blah blah blah. True sipping bourbon. Um, yeah, it's not actually on here. Um, I think it's rumored to be like five to seven years old. Okay. I think I can't. And it's a single barrel, right? No, this is the small batch. Okay, I got you. Um, so it is a batch product. Yes. Well, they have the, this the and they have the single, it? they have the E.H. Taylor small batch, they have the E.H. Tingler, Taylor single barrel. I gotcha. Um, so it, because it's bottom and bond, it's 100 proof. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Very nice. 
Yeah, and I think that the bottled and bond, I don't think that there is a, there may be a barrel entry proof standard on that. I'm not so sure. they have to put it in the barrel at, you know, no less or no more than something. Yeah. You know, the, um, like you said, that, that caramel covered green apple is definitely forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, there's not a whole lot more that's, um, that's present there. There might be a little bit of vanilla that's trying to kind of peek through, but it's, you know, it's not really fighting too hard yeah. to, to show up. I'd almost go like a brisk cinnamon too. I can see that. Like something that's a little bit more pungent than, sure. um, you know, cinnamon is very hard to, um, especially just by smelling cinnamon. Um, <laughs> it's not very pungent. Yeah. Um, although if you put a, a spoonful in your mouth, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Film it and put yeah. it on YouTube. Yeah. But the vanilla is there too. I, I tend to steer away from vanilla and when I'm smelling or drinking most bourbons because I feel like that's like present in almost everyone. It's available. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Everyone's it's like, like well, the, it's almost like the cop out when you're like, if you're, if you're, if you're drinking bourbon with someone that's like, let's say they've been to one tasting and yeah. they're like, oh yeah, I smell that vanilla in there. That's like, of course you do. <laughs> it smells like wood. Yeah. No duh. Well, anyway, let's uh, check out the palette on this, which you just done. Uh, Yeah, definitely the apple and the oak. It's kind of grainy. A little bit. You get bit. the corn in there, for sure. Kind of in the middle. You know what's funny is you've basically hit everything, and that's about <laughs> that's about as far as I can yeah. go with it, too. It's like there's not much else that I can I can really say about it other than, you know, I really do enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it is, again, another very well-rounded um, product. I... There are others that I prefer over it. Um, it almost tastes... I'm going to venture to say a little watered down. Well, I kind of noticed that. And we can go ahead and bump to the, the finish section, sure. right? Uh, it dies off really easily. It does. Like it's, and, you know, sometimes that can be appreciated because it, it makes it a little bit easier to drink. Yeah. You know? Um, but if you're looking for something that's going to kind of linger on your palate, like, it goes away pretty quick. Yeah. You know? Um now, for the sake of thought, um, this was about forty-five dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so let take that into account with your um, your review. Yeah, um, I think that, that there's so much out there for a, a lower price point that it would be if I unless agree. I was looking for something to a share with my friends who haven't drank this. Mm-hmm. Or B, I'm just trying to add another bottle of something on my shelf. <laughs> then sure. I would always gear towards uh, something else that's a little bit more uh, affordable and diverse. Yeah, for sure. it is one of those kind of storied products mm-hmm. at this point where it's like you do somebody has to you have to try this at some point. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. This is going to be one of those instances where the branding is carrying this product. For sure. And that might be a little harsh, but you can't fault any brand for doing that. No, right? of course not. You have to make money like, yeah. or else you can't stay in business. And I would much rather them continue to make this product and make bourbon as mm-hmm. opposed to the, you know, um, the alternative. Does that mean closed down? Or yeah, essentially. <laughs> or green neutral spirits. Yeah, 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 yeah Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna. Do you want me to go ahead and um, give my score? Or do you want to go first? Uh, so you. What's the total? It's out of twenty. A- out of twenty. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, 
And if you yeah, go, you go ahead. You okay, go ahead, cool. and I'll I'll, uh, I'll tally it up. All right, cool. Um, so for the nose on me, it was a three. Mm-hmm. It is, a, you know, it's enjoyable. It's quality, but I don't know. Like we we kind of the same with the palette, where it just kind of falls flat. Where there's not really too much that we can go. You know, yeah, the, we we're not really, really like searching for anything else. It's mm-hmm. just like, yep, there it is. We're done. Check it off. Um, so that's why it kind of like falls right in the middle of the road. There isn't, you know. Well, no, I'm just gonna leave it at that. It falls at three yeah. because you know it it hit the flat note. Um, Palette, I gave a three point five. Oh, we're doing point fives. I'll have to change. You can, that. yeah, you can. Sorry, <laughs> I forget to I forget to mention yeah, that for first timers. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's look, I, it, it it's fine. <laughs> it's very good. It's very serve. I wouldn't say very good. It's good. It's serviceable. You know, I would. I, I, I'm having trouble talking about this one for some yeah, for some it's, reason. Um, you know, I'll I'll um, I'll step in a little bit. I think sure. that with the the nose, um, I gave it a three point five on the nose. Mm-hmm. So uh, you you have to remember that with with the nose, uh, you're gonna you you'll perceive some different flavors and whatnot. Yeah. But I can't lie that like when I smelled it. Or not nosed it, right? Yeah. You don't smell your bourbon, you nose it. <laughs> uh, so when I nosed it, um, it kind of got me a little excited. Yeah. Right? And then as you move to the palate, it's like, all right. And that's well, it. That's, that's it. That's then, it. You know, it's yep. like nothing kind of like punched forward and was like, look at me. Yeah. You know? Uh, so yeah, I did 3.5 on the nose, actually. Um, and then on the palate, um, obviously the flavors we talked about, I, I went with a three. Yeah. Um, just because it's not that diverse. No. And, it, and again, it's just like, you're not, you're not having to really experience too much of it. You're just kind of like, okay, you know, I've, I've done it. Let's move on to something else. And what you move on to from there is the finish, which is just almost non-existent. Yeah. It's thin. It is very, very thin. It's yeah. very thin. And again, some of those caramel and apple flavors do like carry over but they're gone so quickly mm-hmm. and like water takes over for yep. me that i had to give it a 1.5 yeah oh yeah that's harsh <laughs> um it definitely doesn't coat the tongue no like a lot of birds especially at that proof too right yeah. and then if we're assuming that age then you automatically have to assume that it's going to be uh, a little sweeter, at least, than like think, what yeah. a what a like Woodford would be. Yeah, right? and I almost get like a or Buffalo Trace. Yeah, the flag, <laughs> the flagship product. It's almost a little like sour on the on the finish. Mm. Do you get that at all? Um, marginally astringent. Yeah. So I feel like it's it's like so maybe cool. sour is not the right word for well, me. Well, sour but, would yeah. be. It's just this, uh, a different level. Sure. So sour would be like, oh, I sense something on this part of my tongue because it's been activated. Astringent would be after it's finished and gone, something is still pulling there. Sure. Why didn't it go away? And I would agree with that. I would okay. say that it's a little astringent. Okay, cool. Yeah. What'd you give on the finish? A three. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's kind of middle of the <laughs> row. Yeah. You know? um, what I do like about it is that it's smooth. Sure. You know, so if you're if you're looking for something that's relatively... Um, easy to drink, you know, and not to highlight the fact that we're saying it's thin and watered down and all this stuff. It it is very easy to drink. Um, yeah, you can get yourself in trouble pretty easily. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, and then on the price, 
I gave it a 3.5. Yeah. Um, did you get the same thing? I gave it a three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I almost gave it a three. I bumped it up to a point 3.5 because, um, it, Buffalo Trace has been so good about not gouging you on price, even though everybody else on the market seems to be right mm-hmm. now. Um, they have, they feel pretty good just gouging us on Weller. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, we'll leave, we'll leave, we'll call this E. H. Taylor a low hanging fruit. But if you want Weller or Pappy, it's like, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, yeah good luck. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's all about balance, right? So it's like, yeah, hey, it is exactly. Hey, we have this really expensive exactly. product that may or may not be worth it. And um, one, but here, try this. There are better products out there, of course. Um, I think. Um, I like the barrel proof uh E.H. Taylor mm. quite a bit. I feel like um, I've had that actually. I it it's you know, it's I think like seventy dollars. Yeah. Seventy to eighty dollars. I would I would go um, I would go one and just say if you're going to try this product at all, to just shell out the extra twenty five bucks and get the barrel proof. I would agree. You know what I mean? I would agree. I feel like this one it, it, you know, it, the fact that the price point is that close, yeah. That this one is almost worth like an overstep. Yeah. Or come back to this if you're at a gathering and someone has brought a bottle <laughs> and you're like, All right, yeah, I've been wanting to try yeah. this, but I will say though, um I definitely enjoyed the Henry McKenna more than I did this um I like that one out of all these three that we've drank. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. I think that was the strongest yeah. by far of, of the three. Um and again, it's thirty dollars. Mm-hmm. It's age stated. Yep. It's a hundred proof. I mean The one thing that I like <laughs> about it too is like I tend to be like I fall in that uh six to eight year range is kind of what I prefer. Mm-hmm. Um but I will I will give it the fact that for a ten year bourbon it's not overly woody, which was kind of what it's put, not. No, it pushes me to the the uh, a little bit younger bourbon. Yep. Um, and then in in on the other side, uh, I do like old stuff too. But the reason that I like the old stuff is a lot of times that that oaky characteristics tends to flatten out. Sure. And you get some other things that you can appreciate. Yeah. In the in the in the whiskey. Well, my um, total score then rounds out at what is that? Seven ten. I gave it an 11.5 out of 20. And I'm at a 12.5. Yeah. So I think it got an F. Like, what is that? That's like a 60, 65 yeah. or something like that. But, like, I would definitely still recommend this to, yeah. to you know. I yeah. mean, I'd... Well, you can't... You have I'm going to buy another all. bottle. You have to try them all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? and, I, and I'm still going to buy another bottle, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I still think it's it's really good. It's just not, you know... I would still buy Henry McKenna over this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And a matter of preference, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, it does have some cool packaging. Does the... It does, yeah. the, the one that you have... So that's the... Just this is the, the old Grand Evans. Yeah, the other, the other bottle and bond. Oh, so Okay, yeah, so. so it does come in the tube. It does, yeah. yeah. I brought it in the tube. I probably gotcha. could have bought it, brought it without the... No, that's okay. The tube, but, yeah. you know. It was case just easier to, to grab it off my shelf. In case and, you have uh, to mail it while you're out. You know? <laughs> uh, less than half full right. uh, bottle of bourbon <laughs> sent to somebody who's, you yeah. know, showing out $35 for yeah. it. Anyway, um, so that wraps it up for our uh, review portion of the show. So we are going to get into our uh, recommendations uh, section, which is lovingly known as tips and bits. Ooh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you had any tips and bits for people this week, what would you say, David? Recommendations in regards to bourbon? Anything. Ooh. You can, you can recommend 
Anything to the stars and beyond. <laughs> oh, man. Um, if you haven't been to any of the craft cocktail bars that I mentioned earlier... Oh, yeah, for sure. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. So, the coolest thing is, you know, I've been in Lexington now for a little over two and a half years, and I feel very fortunate to have been here for those years. Uh, when I talk to anyone that's been here longer than myself... They always talk about how shitty it was. There was no good food options, um, no good craft cocktail bars, or just cocktail bars. There were there were bars, right? But you know, there's a very big difference between the two. Right. Um, and Lexington is a little late to the game in, in some uh, some facets, especially when you uh, compare it to where uh, I'm from originally, which is Louisville. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's 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 been phenomenal to see that whole movement and that initiative uh, make its way here. And, you know, people like us that appreciate bourbon and coffee and food and all this other stuff are actually going out and doing the things that they're interested in. And, uh, you know, West Main, Bourbon on Rye, Middle Fork, the craft beer scene here is right. insane. Love so the craft beer scene here. <laughs> get out there and support these guys. That's all. Oh, yeah. Shop can, local. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And fortunately enough, we have legitimate um, places to go for that now, you know. Excuse me. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're okay. Um, so I'm going to recommend uh, a couple of things. The first one that I'm going to recommend um, is another podcast. Um, it's called Just Make the Thing. Uh, I've talked about this so many times on the show. It's not even funny. People are probably making fun of me for it right now. Um, I, I have a huge um, adoration for this slew of podcasts out of Australia. Um, the main one is uh, the Weekly Planet, which is uh, basically just nerd culture, um, and it's just two guys hanging out and you know talking comic books and, and superhero movies and everything. Um, and just to make the thing is the podcast from one of the hosts' wife. Um, her name is Claire, uh, and it's I wouldn't say it's self help necessarily, um, but it is just a really inspiring and kind of uh, encouraging. Um, show to, you know, remind you that, you know, we're all people. <laughs> we all make missteps. Um, but in the middle of all that, it's important to still do what you love and, and keep trying to, um, do things that make you feel <laughs> human and good Absolutely. about yourself. Yeah. You know, I mean, regardless of whether or not you're successful at it. Mm hmm you just have to make the thing. Yeah. It's very interesting talking about Australia. They've got a lot of interesting things going on. I feel like that the majority of their society is uh, empowered. Uh, and that's yeah. something that in some areas here in the and States. Good you know, and good on them. And good on them, for sure. Uh, they have a lot of really cool stuff going on in the coffee game, too. Um, oh, cool. Especially aesthetically. So, you know, I follow a ton of, of um, coffee brands and shops and that kind of thing and roasters and... Every now and then I get this really cool image that comes across my Instagram and I'm like, man, that thing is shit. Where is that at? <laughs> and I really hope it's in the States or somewhere close by so I can go visit. And it's always in Australia. Well, I have to, again, for the second episode in a row, give Australia a big shout out though because they are the country with the second most downloads of the show oh, nice. behind the United States. <laughs> it's great. just crazy. I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, I just love it. Yeah. Um, and then the, the other thing I'm going to recommend, um, we've... Lucy and I, I mean, you know, we watch TV like crazy. Mm -hmm. um, we've been watching the Goldbergs. 
oh. a lot recently. So um, yeah, oddly enough, the one of the people that uh, is in that show, and I've never seen the show, but I need to watch yeah, it. It's very uh, good. It's Brian very Callen funny. is in it. And Brian Callen is a co-host of a podcast that I listen to. Okay, cool. Um, but he has, I believe he's the uh, coach or something for a soccer or football coach or something for one of the main characters. Hold on. Yeah. Yep. Okay. He's the, um, he's the, <laughs> the, uh, gym instructor. Yeah. That's um, it. so coach, same thing. He was yeah. on, uh, how about your mother? He was for yep. forever. Yeah. I can't remember his name, but, yeah. um, but anyway, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm going to recommend the Goldbergs. It's super hysterical. Uh, it's nothing but nostalgia. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm not even, I wasn't, I, I wasn't a child of the eighties. Um, but I like, I, yeah, but I can appreciate yeah. like all of the cultural references and everything because we, you know, at, I grew up in a time where everybody was like, Oh, you still need to watch like Star Wars, and you need to watch, you know, oh um, yeah, you know, all throwback. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it it's it's such a well made show. It's not just about um, culture and, and and culture of the eighties. You know, it's also about um, you know family values yeah. and, and all that stuff. And you know, it, it's just a good time. Yeah, I enjoy it. We binge it like crazy. For that, we had Full House <laughs> when I was a kid. Was like, and, which is very much a '90s show, <laughs> but you know, lots of family values, and I'm like, oh, okay, they can yeah. make it. It's like a guy with the, all these daughters, and his yeah. brothers help, you know, raise them. And I loved, I loved Full House yeah. growing up. Uh-huh. I really did, you know. But anyway, okay. Yeah. So uh, those are our tips and bits for the week. Uh, David, if people want to find you or Smoking Aces on social media. Where can they do that? Yeah, so we we do have a Facebook page. We don't push people to that. We we're, we're a little um, let's say not diligent because we don't have a official location that you can come out and uh, right. visit and hang out at. But the good news is we're working on a place. I'm supposed to go tomorrow and check it out. So I'm hoping that we can put together a formal tasting facility and uh, really get people in and get involved in the process and and come and take a look at what we're doing. Um, so we are on Facebook. If you want to follow us, it's at, uh, smoking aces coffee, all one word. Um, the handle for Instagram is the same. We are very active on Instagram, yes, sir. Uh, very responsive to messages, so on and so forth. If you guys want to get a hold of us, that's probably the best place. Uh, and then the website, smokingacescoffee.com. Killer website, uh, by the way. Yeah, I'm glad I you love, like it, man. I love yeah. all the branding. It's you know, as super being simple. A, being a graphic designer, you know, I just love the cleanliness of the, the brand and everything. Right. And I mean, your logo is just, yeah. I appreciate Makes that. Makes me happy. Yeah. Makes my heart happy. Yeah. It actually, uh, I just learned recently that it won an Addy Award. It did. Yeah. Yep. So uh, shout out to uh, Shatterbox on yes. that. They did a killer job. Um, I put together some like some general kind of uh, sketches and like sent them this this example, and then they just knocked it out of the park, yeah. man. I mean, they did um, a great job. Tanner, who's one of the co-hosts on the show, uh, is actually working at Shatterbox, oh, Okay, great. Too. Yeah, that's um, awesome. So I brought up the other day that you were going to be on the show, and he was like, yeah, we did their, their logo <laughs> their logo and everything. Yeah. I was like, holy crap, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, cool. So if you want to follow us on social media, we are on uh, Instagram and Twitter at My Bourbon Shop. We are on Facebook at This Is My Bourbon Shop. And our Threadless store is This Is My Bourbon Shop. Oh, wait, no, it's My Bourbon Shop. Wait. Sorry. <laughs> I can never remember because it, it, I had to shorten it like a hundred times before I got there. It's just bourbonshop.threadless.com. Um, 
We have a Patreon page if you want to become a patron of the show. Uh, it's patreon.com slash mybourbonpodcast. Uh, give us a rate and review on iTunes. Uh, give us a five-star rate and review. Yeah. <laughs> We've had a couple one-star and two-star reviews yeah. with no feedback for no particular reason. Wait, is all. this Yelp? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How would you rate our service today? Yeah, would right. you mind going on Yelp? It's and, like, uh, I feel like being an asshole, so one-star. <laughs> one-star, sir. <laughs> Food is cold. I don't care. Yeah. Everybody look weird. Yeah. Anyway, um... David, I want to say thank you so, so much You're for welcome, being on man. the show, man. This great. is a lot of fun. We'll have yeah. you back on in the future, I'm sure. That'd be amazing. Um, next week, we're going to have uh, Curtis and Tanner back on. Not sure what we're going to talk about next. If you have any suggestions for our topic next week, uh, tweet us, email in. Uh, this is my bourbon shop at gmail.com, I think is the email. I can't remember. It, it's all in the description for the <laughs> for the episode yeah. if you get confused or lost. Um, it's so but if you to remember everything, if, yeah. If you have uh, ideas for the show, um, hit us up, and we'd be happy to uh, you know talk with you about it, take them into consideration, Answer, and all that build stuff. questions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate all you uh, do for us. You keep us going. You make us happy. Um, We really appreciate everything. I will see you next week, but until then, I'm Perry, and this is my Bourbon Podcast. Bye.